0: to the Day Health Strategies podcast, Unlocking Accountable Care. The healthcare podcast where we talk everything value-based care with the top experts in the field.
1: Welcome to another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. This is your host, Sarah Bliss Matusik. I'm a principal with Day Health Strategies, and today I'm sitting down with Lisette Roman, a consultant with the firm. Today we are talking about the role of pharmacy in Medicaid accountable care. Now, success in value-based care takes a multidisciplinary approach, we know this, um, but pharmacists are not always acknowledged as a core component of a multidisciplinary care team.
2: Right. So today, we'll try to change that. We'll be hearing my conversation with Yvonne LeBlanc, a clinical pharmacist at a managed services organization here in Massachusetts called New England Quality Care Alliance, or NEQA for short. So NEQA participates in different ACOs, but today we're just going to focus on the Medicaid ACO, uh, which is called WellForce Care Plan ACO.
1: Right. So NEQA is a partnership of Nearly 1,700 different community and academic physicians across eastern Massachusetts. Um, and they include a lot of small practices. Think, you know, one to two or a handful of PCPs in one practice. So very small. And it's organizations like NEQA that can provide the administrative support for these practices to manage all the different requirements and regulations in the healthcare space, including, for example, participating in a Medicaid ACO. So if a smaller practice wanted to participate, they might not be able to manage the burden of reporting and other requirements for um, care management, for example. So NEQA helps them handle that.
2: Exactly, Um, and, and one of the challenges for ACOs to overcome to be successful is to make sure that they're really engaging primary care practices into their network, right, so joining up with them to begin with, and then once they've agreed to be in the network, to then help and do that simplification, so simplifying all the complex program requirements that there are for participating in something like an ACO. Um, You know, most providers do understand, of course, that value-based care um, instead of volume-based care is best for patients and is the way of the future, but it really does take a fair amount of that administrative overhead that you mentioned just to check all the requirements boxes, Um, and and Neuqua helps um, smaller providers especially to do that. Um, We're supposed to be talking about
1: pharmacy today, aren't we? Yes. Pharmacy. So one thing that we've learned from our conversations with organizations across Massachusetts and the rest of the country is that pharmacy can be a very effective tool for getting primary care providers engaged in an ACO. Um, Considering all different types of ACOs, Medicare, Medicaid, commercial, 45% report that at least one contract includes prescription drug spending responsibility. Um, On average, compared to those that don't, ACOs engaging pharmacies also have a broader range of services and provider types, both commercial and public contracts, and greater experience with payment reform. So pharmacy is pretty critical.
2: Yeah, I I would say so. There's really a substantial role for pharmacy to play, which is why we were so eager to sit down with Yvonne and hear more about the role of clinical pharmacists on an ACO care team. So let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Yvonne, and then we can dive into some other questions. Welcome to another episode of Accountable Care. This is your host for this episode, Lisette Roman. I'm sitting down today with Yvonne LeBlanc, um, who is a clinical pharmacist at a managed care organization. So let me introduce Yvonne. Um, Yvonne leads pharmacy operations for New England Quality Care Alliance, or as we like to say, Neuqua. Um, So Neuqua is a partnership of nearly 1,700 community and academic physicians all across eastern Massachusetts. Yvonne has worked as a clinical pharmacist in multiple settings, from outpatient to home health care to the inpatient setting. Um, She's also a member of the National Association of ACOs, and she has presented on the national stage about strategies that ACOs can use to address the opioid epidemic. Today Yvonne's here to talk to us about the role of pharmacists in accountable care. It's not unusual for ACO contracts to hold organizations responsible for prescription drug spending, but what hasn't added up is that not all ACOs employ or contract with pharmacists. Um, So we'd like to better understand what these ACOs are missing out on, and so we've invited Yvonne here today. So Yvonne, we're so pleased to talk to you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, first question, Yvonne. Can you just tell us a little bit about your role as a clinical pharmacist manager today, and you know, what was the professional journey that got you here?
0: Sure. Um, so, I received my doctor of pharmacy degree from Northeastern University in 2003 and completed a pharmacy practice residency at Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, over the past 15 years, uh, like you mentioned, I've worked in a variety of pharmacy, and medical publishing settings, including Johns Hopkins Health System, Natural Standard Research Collaboration, and Leahy, Hospital and Medical Center. Uh, I received my MBA in Medical Services Management from Johns Hopkins and most recently became a certified in Geriatric Pharmacy and I've always enjoyed working on projects and being involved in quality improvement initiatives Um, My current role as a Neuqua Pharmacy Operations Manager is a nice mesh of the things I have enjoyed working on in my previous roles So I am one of four clinical pharmacists at Neuqua and the designated pharmacist for two of our 13 affiliated groups of physicians, which we refer to as local care organizations or LCOs for short. Our pharmacists primarily conduct medication reviews, research drug information questions, and identify medication efficiency opportunities. Essentially, if it's medication-related, we could be pulled into it. Um, I also oversee our pharmacy technicians, of which we have a total of six technicians, one technician lead and five additional technicians. And our pharmacy technicians manage the medication prior authorization process on behalf of providers in an effort to alleviate provider and administrative burden and to improve provider and staff satisfaction. So this is a voluntary program that began about four years ago in 2015. We now have close to 300 providers, uh, mainly PCPs, that are enrolled in the program across almost 40 separate electronic medical records or EMRs. Um, Our technicians log into each of the EMRs that they are responsible for multiple times a day to check for prior authorization requests. Communication with the practice and the providers is solely via EMR and the pharmacy technicians pull the information they need to process and submit the PA request. This program has been a way that we really got our foot into the door into a lot of practices and has paved the way for other Neuqua teams to start collaborating with the practices and providers. Wow, that That's great. That's a lot. Um, I've already learned a lot. Um,
2: So clearly, pharmacists play an important role on ACO healthcare teams. You know, you mentioned that pharmacists are involved in um, in things like helping to identify efficiencies uh, with medications. Sounds like some of this work is kind of behind the scenes, which is interesting, and I'd I'd love to hear more about that. Um, But can you tell us, you know, just to get us started, what is the potential role for a pharmacist to really help impact costs and quality of care for patients that are part of accountable care organizations. Um, And, you know, where are pharmacists being underutilized that you've noticed?
0: So Neuqua is a risk-bearing organization that participates in a multitude of value-based care contracts, including commercial, Medicare Advantage, as well as Medicare and Medicaid ACOs. For our Medicare ACO, we were in the MSSP Track 1 ACO for three years. Then in 2018, we entered the third year of a of the five year next generation ACO model, which means right now we're in the fourth year of the next gen model. Our Medicaid ACO is in collaboration with the rest of WellForce and with Fallon Healthcare. Um, WellForce includes Circle Health, including Lowell General Hospital, Lowell General Physician Hospital Organization, Tufts Medical Center, Melrose Wakefield Healthcare, which was previously Hallmark Health, um, and that includes Melrose Wakefield Hospital. Lawrence Memorial Hospital and Hallmark Physician Hospital Organization, as well as physicians from Neuqua. So as I mentioned, Neuqua clinical pharmacists conduct medication reviews. About two years ago, we piloted an initiative which focused on sending providers medication review summaries via the EMR prior to the patient's next scheduled PCP visit. Specifically, we were targeting high-risk Medicare ACO patients. And these patients were identified using criteria like chronic disease states, such as diabetes, COPD, CHF, and also included risk score, number of admissions, total medical expense. And so what we found to be very beneficial was the timing of when the medication review summaries were sent. Um, Prior to sending them via the EMR, we were sending them to the practices via fax. And we didn't know when the patient's next visit was going to be, and a lot of those were referrals to us by the care managers. So we tried to take a proactive approach in identifying these high-risk patients, but sending the summaries around the time of the next scheduled visit, um, one to five days depending on the practice and what they have a pro- what their process is for. Um, pre-visit patient planning, we just found to be extremely beneficial and the number of responses and accepted interventions increased dramatically. So we actually don't fax anything anymore. The only way that we communicate our summaries is via EMR now. Um, And we still do get referrals from care managers um, and from physicians. Um, So then going off of um, what you just mentioned, Lizette, was for a cost efficiency approach. Um, Another major part now for the pharmacist is looking at pharmacy claims data and identifying opportunities of cost savings. Um, So we have a schedule in place now where each of our pharmacists um, reviews claims data for their respective LCOs. We have 13 LCOs and we do this three times a year. And we provide medication related, Um, action items. Um, We've worked with our analytics team to develop two pharmacy-related standard reports that are now generated monthly. And um, the pharmacists review the standard reports, and that's kind of our way to start identifying an efficiency-related action item. So we look at drivers of pharmacy costs for each of our LCOs, and also the per member per month trends for therapeutic classes. Um, And so not all of the things we're identifying are blockbuster. A lot of the high-cost medications are prescribed by specialists. Um, And so we're looking for Trends that um, you know maybe are over a hundred percent or two hundred percent. Sometimes they're a thousand percent. You know, a new agent is on the market, and so that's the start of us kind of taking a deeper dive into a class of medications. And things that we've realized, like different formulations of medications, dermatological agents are coming out in foams or in pumps. And those are like four to five, maybe 10 times more expensive than an ointment or a cream. So like $50 versus 550. And a lot of providers aren't aware of this. So we put together a summary. We have patient level detail. So it's not just telling them this is high cost, this is less costly alternative. this is a high cost agent. Your patients that are assigned to you that impact your overall score at the end of the year are being prescribed these agents. And it may not be prescribed by you. So we're looking to see, okay, is there some sort of trend with a certain specialist, a group of specialists? And we then leave it up to the individual groups to see um, for them to, to take action on it, which they have. Um, and so they've reached out to those groups and. They've communicated what our findings were. That's, that's a big body of work that
2: you just described. I'm sure we could have a whole episode dedicated to how do you change physicians' um, behavior, prescribing behavior, but we'll, we'll table that for now. Um, let's turn to another issue that um, a lot of our, our listeners are interested, which is um, the opioid epidemic. So opioid use disorder drives utilization and cost for a lot of ACOs, particularly Medicaid ACOs. Especially in certain pockets of Massachusetts and across the country. So, what are pharmacy interventions that can help the healthcare system to better care for these patients and try to bend that cost curve?
0: Uh, so, we've definitely had some learning curves when it's come to evaluating opioid related medication data. Um, A little over a year ago, Neuqua organized an opioid task force and we developed an opioid resource guide um, to be utilized by providers and their support staff. During the same time, we wanted to evaluate as a network what our opioid prescribing habits were. So as I mentioned, we have 13 LCOs, or local care organizations, and this is how we separated the data. However, when comparing each of the LCOs side by side, we needed to keep in mind all of the variables that were in place. As you mentioned, the geography of Neuqua is very spread out, so we are spread from northern Massachusetts, by the New Hampshire border, down to the Cape, and out to Metro West area. So there is a very wide, diverse patient population within each of our LCOs. It was quickly pointed out that we couldn't look at just utilization or the number of opioid prescriptions and compare, say, the top 10 physicians within each of the LCOs. This wasn't taking into account the provider's um, panel size. Once the panel size was taken into account, the order and list of providers changed considerably in some cases. Wellforce has pharmacists um, who have recently started meeting to discuss prescribing and efficiency opportunities, and there have been discussions about identifying patients who are taking a combination of opioids plus benzodiazepines and also opioids plus benzodiazepines plus tramadol. And the thought is, if we are to go down this path, we may need to consider taking more of a multidisciplinary approach, and maybe if um, patients are identified, then these are patients that could be enrolled into, say, a care management program to assist with the tapering of the agent or identifying what the best um, or the most appropriate next step is for them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: There's still a lot to figure out
2: for sure, but a lot of good work underway. Um, so you you mentioned earlier, um, you know pharmacists using a lot of data interacting with EMRs. So technology is cr- clearly an important tool um, for for doing a lot of this work in pharmacy. So this is going to be one of those questions that takes like a five second introduction. So stick with me. Um, so. The question is, you know, what technology is needed for pharmacists to be successfully integrated into an ACO's care management team? So we are very familiar with a good chunk of the care management platforms That are out there on the market. Right. So products that you can buy, commercial products that you can buy um, that your care management team can use, you know, say your ACO care management team Um, and the medication management modules that are available in those care management platforms don't seem as robust as they tend to be in you know, traditional EMRs or, you know, hospital-based EHRs, um, we, we probably expect an EHR to have more robust tools for pharmacists because of, you know, how healthcare is traditionally delivered, but is more needed um, in terms of technology to support care management teams. Should we be seeing more robust um, medication management modules in care management platforms and not just in the traditional
0: Okay, Um, so like you mentioned, one of the biggest challenges is technology. Um, Neuqua has more than 50 separate EMRs. Seventy-five percent of our Neuqua practices are composed of one to two physicians, Um, and as I mentioned previously, our technicians are collectively in almost 40 separate EMRs. They are logging into their respective um, EMRs multiple times a day, which is about 15 to 20 practices, um, in order to keep up with their requests. Um, for the pharmacy technicians, one thing that they're looking for is a prescription insurance um, information. And so from that perspective, majority of times, the prescription insurance is not captured in the EMR. This is um, common on the inpatient side as well, something that I've seen. Majority of individuals have two separate cards, medical and prescription insurance, and typically it's just the medical insurance that is scanned into a patient's chart. That's just how it's always been. Um, So the pharmacy technicians, as part of their workflow, they need to always call the pharmacy in order to gather the most Current prescription insurance. So that's just, I guess, one piece for us of the pharmacy process that's never really captured. Um, and not necessarily f- the care management platform, but just technology in general. Um, from a medical visit standpoint, a challenge that both the technicians and the pharmacists see is that we don't. Um, have access to all of the patient's visit notes. And so a patient may go to a different provider, a specialist, a hospital. If that information is not shared with the PCP, we don't see it. Um, sometimes it's uploaded into the chart, but it's we're really working on a fragmented system. And there's been talk, um, or there's always talk, about developing a platform that can capture information from various sources into one location, but even with that, it may not be a full note. It may be this patient went to um, a certain organization or a certain hospital, this was the reason for the visit, but you may not see the details of the visit, which is for us really what we need to to see in order to carry out a full evaluation. Um, Our pharmacy team works remotely primarily and based just based on how spread out our network is so unfortunately we don't have the bandwidth or the model to go physically into the practices and um, sometimes that may be an opportunity to gather more pertinent information um, but between the pharmacy technicians work on assisting with prior authorizations and the pharmacists conducting medication reviews and identifying efficiency opportunities we've made a lot of progress in recent years um, in the years that I've been here. It's very different from day one to where we are now. Um, The pharmacy team has been a gateway for some of our other Neuqua teams getting into the EMR um, at certain practices, which has been really great. And we strive to work collaboratively to assist in the managing of patients with our, with our providers. That's
2: great. That's great. Wow, we covered a lot in a short period of time. Um, but Yvonne, just want to say thank you so much for joining uh, us on this episode of Accountable Care. Um, and to our listeners, uh, join us again for our next episode. Thank you
0: for having me.
1: All right, Lisa, that was a helpful view into the role of clinical pharmacy for ACOs. And where ACOs and other organizations in risk-bearing contracts can really start to think more critically about whether they're fully leveraging their pharmacy resources. I think it's a bit baffling to think that clinical pharmacists are underutilized given what we now know about their ability to actually help contain the total cost of care for patients and ensure high quality of care.
2: Right. I, I agree, of course. Um, and you know, another thing that struck me from the conversation was, again, we find ourselves coming face-to-face with the shortcomings of health information technology or health IT. Um, remember when Yvonne was talking about using fax machines? Um, yeah. <laughs> or the fact that using claims data to identify cost savings um, is remarkable? I mean, it, it shouldn't be, right? It, all these things are really indicative of how... And, you know, archaic. Some of our technology um, is
1: in this industry. Right. But when you serve so many small providers, those you know, onesies, twosies that Neuqua helps keep in business, this is really just expected. And those small providers are commonplace. Uh, we know that nearly two-thirds of U.S. office-based physicians work in practices of fewer than seven.
2: Yeah, that that's fair. Um, and you know, the good news is that those providers actually tend to deliver very high quality care. Um, small primary care practices have low rates of preventable hospital admissions, uh, at least compared to hospital and practices. Um, and from what we've seen, like the smaller, the better, actually. So there's something about the size. Um, but we certainly won't dive into that topic for today. Um, For now, let's call it a wrap on another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye,
1: everyone.
0: If you are interested in learning more about accountable care or how organizations can succeed in today's healthcare system, please visit our website, www.dayhealthstrategies.com. Check out our blog, follow us on Twitter, and join our mailing list. We regularly post content relevant to current healthcare issues and overcoming challenges in delivering value-based care. Unlocking Accountable Care is a production of Day Health Strategies. Direction and editing by Max Blumenthal. Additional support and research by Emily Eibel and Nico Lehman. Our producer is Rosemary Day. A special thanks to Purple Planet Music for the use of their songs.